I am also recording now. Okay. Good Let's shit. Do the thing. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Incredible. Never did it. We did it like that first time, like perfectly, and then Six. We did it. The People's Council. Back at it. Weren't sure if there was going to be another episode, but by God, there's going to be one. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Content um, coming for your ears. Scream yep. into the void if we have to. <laughs> so we're entering. Uh, we're entering season two. Um, and season uh, two. in season two, we've opted to uh, instead of doing our. Talk about what we're playing, listening to, watching segment at the end of the show. We're going to do it at the beginning of the show. So, um, yeah, we're going to start off with that. Uh, what have you guys been playing, um, watching, consuming? So, I finally finished a game I should have probably played a long time ago. Um, the Witcher 3 and all the attendant DLC. It's real good. It's real good. i got to say that... Uh, the ending of uh, Blood and Wine, excellent. Um, Heart of Stone, excellent DLC, gotta say. Uh, and one of, of the course, best. yeah, definitely, definitely one of the best. And, uh, you know, solid recommend. If you're waiting for my recommendation like nine years later, go back nice. and play that shit, dog. It's real good. And I got to say that uh, the Yennefer ending with the ending at the the winery or whatever, it's perfect. It's perfect shit right there. Yeah, there's a whole lot of that. It's just so damn good. The writing, the storytelling. Oh, man. Yeah, wall-to-wall masterpiece. For sure. Yep. Probably top 10 favorite game of all time. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's top. It's like five or four. Like, it's up there. Got to be the, the amount of content and everything that 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 we got out of that. It's just so good. Oh yeah, and you can go back to it too. You know, I never finished that second DLC. I got got near the end. Oh yeah, second DLC was really good too. Yeah, I need to. Every time I've tried to dive back into that, it's, it's yeah. I think so we talked tough. about that on another on another show, and just how it's real hard to get back into one of those games once you haven't played it for a while. Yeah, it's just kind of a it's a warm bath, and once you get in it so nice and lovely and then you get out and you're cold and you try to get back in later and the water's kind of weird and... <laughs> this is a perfect analogy yeah this is an interesting analogy All right, well. what else sean you've been listening anything else you've been watching listening, um, yeah checking? so the yeah. the last couple of days um i have been uh I've been I've been listening to a whole bunch of Phil Ox, uh, which I recommend. I mean, you know, but I'm also like into folk music. But the other thing that I've been watching is the hilariously bad uh, Hunters, which I guess is like an H. Not no, it's an Amazon Prime show. I think 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I mean, I, there were some parts I enjoyed. If you say so. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't just, think I, I don't know about the choice for Al Pacino to do like a like a European Jewish accent. Kind of weird. He never really lands <laughs> it. So. No, no, he doesn't. I don't know about that part, but uh, yeah, and then the ending. We haven't got all the way through it, right? No, I haven't. I'm probably, I think, like on episode five, maybe. I mean, I, I don't really watch a lot of TV unless I'm like really into something, and I usually like watch like an episode a night when I'm trying to go to sleep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's just every time I turn it on, there's something that just like in the back of my head that goes, "Holy shit, that was a little racist, guys." Like maybe maybe not so hard on the tropes, please. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. There's a ton of that. I mean, they're they they. They probably just think that that's you know, par for the course with that kind of stuff, or the or or because of the time period or whatever. But um, yeah, that show wasn't terrible. I mean, I'm not aching for another season or anything. That's for sure. No, thank you. Yeah. What about you, Russell? Well, I finished Neo Neo Two. My God, Finally. I didn't think it was doable. I thought maybe the game was going to go on forever. Like I literally procedurally generated. Yeah, I literally at some point. Forever. Yeah, I had to, at some point. I was like, let me just look up like. I, I literally like on Google. Like, if you go to my history, I was like, is Neo? T-? I think I said like Neo too too long or something like that. Yeah, too long. And like, and then it like the first article that popped up was like, here's how long it takes to beat it, and it was like 120 hours. I'm like, oh god, no wonder. Jesus. So I did finally, I finally beat it, and then I was like, you know, I got so close, I had, I only was only missing a couple of trophies, so I went ahead and went for the platinum, and I did it. So it's incredible, I know. Um, well done, buddy. I am a god tier gamer for sure. Yep. Finished that. Hashtag so god-tier. hashtag god tier. So I got, I got that game done. I might go back for the DLC, but probably not. And then uh, I've still got Final Fantasy VII. I've just not something about it. it it's it's just kind of slow sometimes, and there's a lot of story, which is good. I just, you know, I don't have any, I don't have any love or nostalgia for Final Fantasy VII, so none of it's really hitting me very well. I think maybe for somebody else, maybe it would be really moving, but like none of it. I will say the writing is really well, really good, and it's, it feels like a new game. It feels like they definitely updated all the dialogue and and the character interaction and stuff like that. So all that is really good. I just don't really know what's preventing me from getting into it precisely, but hmm. for whatever I mean, it reason. could be the fact that it's just it's six hours of the original game stretched out over fucking thirty. Yeah, that's that's also something that's always in the back of my mind. I'm like, man, how do they do this? Like, what what is? This? I mean, there's stuff. I mean, there's stuff to do, and but then you're also like, okay, was it? That's always kind of going through my mind too. Is like, okay, was this stuff in the original? Should I look that up? Is that going to spoil shit? I mean, I already know, like, I know the big plot points, you know. Um, right. Uh, you know, just because I- I've existed and I've breathed and I've actually yeah. gone on the internet more than once. So, there's like... Literally... I guess we're, like, we've, we've wrapped all the way back around to, like, a period in time where you can't talk about the like, major plot points. Yeah, I was gonna anymore. I was gonna say it and I was like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if that's... Uh, coaching to just say that like to say what the, the big thing is but i mean well the other thing too is i think they're changing a few things that's right because she's not even uh like 
Eris isn't even named Eris anymore. It's yeah, it's like Aerith. Aerith. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I think it was Aerith in the Japanese uh, spelling or whatever, and then when it was uh, localized, it, I guess it was misspelled or... Oh, okay, or that they, makes sense. Or they, they made that a... That kind of shit happened all the time back then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Localization is way better now, but... Yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just I'm trying to get into that, and then I'm playing a bunch of random bullshit, uh, just just like you do when you get really bored and can't figure out anything to interest you. And, and uh, I will say one movie I watched recently that was pretty awesome was uh, Underwater. Oh, with uh, Kristen Stewart. Yeah, it's actually really fucking good, and it, it's it's cool too because like the. Minor spoiler, I guess, at the beginning, if you don't want spoilers. I recommend it, first of all. I think you should watch it. It's not. This isn't a big spoiler, but, you know, it's an underwater thing. And with all those movies, you always think, okay, they're going to do the scene where you meet all the characters. And then, oh, this is the funny guy, and this is the serious guy. And, oh, these people are clearly have feelings for, you know, stuff like that. Like they do with, like, Alien and, and literally every movie that's come out after Alien, right? Yeah, of course. They don't do any of that. It's like straight to the action. And it's just like an hour and a half of just like nonstop. Like you just, you don't have any really any chance to breathe. And like, there's no, there's no come down. It's all the way up. And yeah. And it's just a really good movie. I would highly recommend it. I will say that if you're a little claustrophobic, it's pretty rough. If you're, if you have any kind of claustrophobia, cause I will say that uh, my significant other, she, uh, she was having a little bit of issue with it just because of how, there's a bunch of scenes where you're where you know they're in they're in that underwater suit and the camera is like like an you know an inch and a half from their face. So there's a oh, lot okay. of like oh god I feel like I'm inside of a like you feel like you're in the suit or whatever because it's so right. and they're in these tight cord and there's a lot of times where they're crawling under stuff and the camera is really tight but strong recommend for sure. I don't think it's all that scary. I, there's a little parts that are a little intense yeah. but strong recommend yeah. huh, i'll check it out is it um is it streaming anywhere or is that uh, i think we had to rent it because okay. it, it's it's one of those movies that was just in theaters yeah like a few months ago and i think they're because of this whole pandemic or whatever they're putting movies out faster and letting you rent them sooner for a higher yeah. price of course you know oh, oh by yeah the well way, uh fucking uh may the 4th is when uh our cherished b- beloved well-received, well-renowned, bestest Star Wars movie in the world comes out. Oh, is it fucking The Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Is that really when it comes out? Yeah, apparently. Well, I think it's already, I think it's already been streaming for a little bit now, but I think it's coming out, like, you can go buy it uh, on May the 4th. What Rotten Tomatoes on that game? Well, I can't imagine it's good. Yikes. Well, I'm sure that there are some people who enjoy it. I mean, the Last Jedi just to just to you know, we got 52. percent I mean, there's no way the Last Jedi could be any higher than that. I mean, it's not nearly as good a movie, right? Oh, it's a 91. percent That's weird. <laughs> oh, but the audience doesn't like it. Bee boo. Yeah. Stupid fucking assholes. Well, it's those you know, it's the liberal elites. Liberal yeah. elites. I mean, I just right. well, I just can't fucking. So uh, lately, uh, what I've been up to is been up to, I've been playing, surprise, surprise, a lot of Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. But I also 
Russell, you didn't. I, I expected that you would touch on this, especially as much as you've been giving me grief about it. Yeah. We uh, dipped our toes back into a uh, classic Ubisoft <laughs> game. A uh, classic, for sure. Classic, yes. Oh, yeah, classic. Yeah. I mean, it's y- y'all realize that game is five years old at this, or four or five years old at this point. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. They've been supporting that motherfucker, that's for sure. Yeah, and they've been supporting the shit out of it. But uh game, of course, that I'm alluding to is uh, For Honor. Yeah. Hell of a game. Hell of a game. Yeah, yeah it's just like... Strong. It was there, one of those there games. There's so many things that I wish that that game could be, and it's just not. Oh yeah, that was one of those games that, like, when I first like saw it when it was coming out, I was like very hyped for it. Then I finally saw like the um, the actual like pl- like let's plays or whatever, and it was like, oh, oh okay, so I don't have to spend sixty dollars on this fucking game. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's exactly what I did. Like I was I was mega hyped for that game when it was coming out. Just like, oh, it's got like this real dynamic, like hand to hand combat system where it's like it's got like directional blocking, directional attacking. Yeah. And then like by the time it comes out, it just turns out that it's just like it's just a 3D fighting game, like basically. Yeah, I mean, it's a fighting game. And I think that's like. Yeah, because we all got it when it came out and we were like, man, this is and we had a good amount of fun with it. And I think we just I don't necessarily know what turned me off at some point with it i think we just kind of fell off of it for i think we yeah. played it for a good you know maybe a month or so yeah we played it we played it for a solid little bit but i just i mean the thing that i'm the thing that i mean i know the reason that i fell off of it back then it's the exact same qualms that i have with it now is that i just don't have the patience for those kinds of games like, oh yeah because that that game makes you madder than a wet sack full of wet kittens dude like fucking the only thing that, well, the only thing that makes you even kind of that sort of like pissed off is apex which is well, uh, so yeah. funny it's, it's why I, it's why I assume y'all don't play fighting games. And I mean that's that is a large part of why I probably don't. Which kind of lends into like it's kind of weird that I have this affinity with Super Smash Bros. Yeah, but that's not a fighting game, Jacob. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I mean, I'm just saying. Whoa. I mean, in the parlance of, I don't know. For me, I, I think. Uh, I mean, it is a fighting game. I'm being, yeah, I'm being, like, yeah, I know, <laughs> reductionist, but but it, it's very that 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 is a very like just baseline fighting game. I mean, there, of course, there's, you can go very deep, blah blah. Yeah, we know, huh? wave dashing and canceling and and uh, you know all that other stuff, right? We know it, but there's still like the there's still like the party game aspect to Smash Bros, whereas. Like most other fighting games, and definitely For Honor, there's no sense of like fun really to be had there. It's like hyper competitive, you versus like one other dude, mano a mano, and then they just like that's just like them strictly being better than you one way or another. Whereas I feel like Smash Bros has a bit more, uh, just kind of a sheer charm to it, and I don't like. That shouldn't factor into why I love Super Smash Bros, but don't really have the patience for any other fighting game, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about For Honor. I, I think it's I mean, you also have to think you've got to learn like each one of those different characters, like bullshit that they've got going on. Yeah, like that's true. Every character has some kind of like unblockable fucking attack or some fucking grab or some other bullshit, and and. The first couple times you get hit with it, you're like, okay, what the fuck is this? You know, and then you finally get the 
the thing down, and then you've got another fucking character that of like the you know twenty that they've added, and you're like, okay, I don't, you know. I think the uh, I think it could be best summed up in that Super Smash Brothers is is easy to learn and difficult to master, whereas most other fighting games have a much steeper learning curve. Yeah, including For Honor. Anyway, yeah, for so aside from Apex. Dipped my toes back into that this past week and uh, quickly realized that that ain't you me. You can't wait now. to play it again. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. I'm, I'm fucking as soon as we get done recording here, I'm gonna go jump on that. And... Oh, we are. Oh, sick, dude. I can't wait. <clears throat> I've been wanting y'all to get on it, but it's like just like you know, it's like pulling fucking teeth or whatever. Yeah. Fuck it, I guess. Yeah, man. I'll I mean, Sean got on it the other day and was like on it for I don't know, like five minutes. He's like, I'm gonna go play Call of Duty. I'm like, okay, all right, see you later, buddy. That's Good talking. Right. I was. I'm sorry, uh, but you know what? Sometimes like you just trying need to a try to show you how to do it. You're like, I don't, I don't know. Just let me let me do the thing. I'm like, okay. Well, well, I also not, not I the also, game for you. <laughs> well, my thing too was I had also already like made plans with two of our other friends. Yeah. And so I joined in because they were taking forever. I was like, oh, I'll play some of this game. It can't be that bad because I got it for free. Remember? And then um, it was that bad. It was terrible. That game fucking blows. <laughs> the game is not bad. the game is not bad it's yeah. just it's just yeah it it, it, it induces rage it, it, it really just, does in any case whatever it is what it is we're gonna yeah. we're gonna play it more we got masters and fucking pros and no, it's yeah, fine that's, that's we'll let you that's know we'll become, you that is, uh, that'll be the ultimate irony is that i is that that's what i go pro on yeah i, I feel like i feel like if we picked one character and stop fucking like playing other characters we would be all right at that game but yeah. I guess I get I mean, a little it bored. It doesn't I help guess. that a lot of those characters are locked either behind like a battle pass or like fifteen fucking thousand points or whatever. So it's just like, eh, even if I want to try these characters out, I mean, I guess I could try them out in training, but you're training with a bot at that point. Yeah, just yeah, it, that just does not work. So yeah. In any case, that's that's what I've been playing, and then um, I didn't really watch a whole lot this week. I was actually more of on a music kick this week, and uh, when I'm a uh, one of our friends uh, actually linked us to a song by Twerp called The Hit that is really good and that you should listen to. But what it reminded me of was an old band that I listened to in high school that has a very uh, like similar like jock rock, like 80s jock rock sound to them um, that that song does. And the band is called Analog Sway. And they only put they only ever put out one album. And they are not very popular at all, but I just, their music has a very kind of like 80s, like retro wave, rocky feel to it. And every song on that album is pretty damn good. So Analog Sway, I would highly recommend them. Check them out. Yeah, check them out. Let them know I sent (laughs) you. Yeah, send a message. Yeah, I mean, they, they literally, like, when I went and looked at the album uh on spotify they're one of those artists that gets uh less than a thousand plays a month so i was like oh shit i'm one of the only people that knows who these guys are yeah you're gonna have to tweet them you'll you'll have that thing where they send you go like hey you want to send this these people a tweet or like thanks one of the thousand yeah for sure anyway so um so what are we talking about this week fellas uh, well, Sean had this great idea for a topic. Why don't you Why don't you lay it on us? Oh yeah. Uh, so one of the big things that I have noticed in the discourse, the discourse, no, oh, um, 
around like video games and I mean D&D and like any other like pretty much any like avenue of culture that you know it's kind of you could consider nerd shit like the shit that we really enjoy you know fucking magic comics uh less books but I guess kind of sci-fi in general to a lesser degree uh video games fucking tabletop whatever right video and it's games. this video games um but it's this tendency to view like any criticism or anything like that as like an indictment of like people who like that shit right and yeah it's used to make people feel bad about liking a thing basically well it's not it's it's not so much that it, the criticism itself is used but i mean that a lot of a lot of like a lot of the reason that you have these big humongous you know rows about this stuff online is because there is a camp of people out there oh. who seem to think that uh any any criticism at all on like a social level uh with for any media that you know we enjoy uh is like a direct attack on all the people who enjoy it yeah that's what i meant like they 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 view that stuff as oh you just don't want me to enjoy a thing oh you know yeah. i can't i can't like enjoy a thing you know like that's that's always what they fucking say you know i just can't enjoy yeah. a thing got to fucking talk about the political bullshit everything's got to be political Oh, yeah. Sorry, it is. <laughs> well, and ex- exactly as we discussed in an earlier episode, but I kind of just wanted to focus in on the fact that it is entirely possible um, to have issues with things that you like and still like them. Because apparently that's the thing that needs to be talked about in depth because people refuse to understand the concept. So I figured we might talk about maybe some like problematic faves or, you know, just why you think that not necessarily that criticism and stuff is important to the hobby or whatever else. Know what I mean? Absolutely. I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, let's talk about um, Orson Scott Card. Hell of an author. Not a very good human being. Unfortunately, he. Um, let me talk about first what I what I love about Ender's Game. It is a very important sci-fi text. I think a lot of people. I think I think it should be required reading at this point for for sci-fi, for understanding that stuff, to enjoy it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, I there have been since I didn't even read this through school. I read it, you know, when I was like eighteen, nineteen. But having now talked to people about it, a lot of people have actually read it. It was required reading in school for whatever class or whatever. But so things I love, things I love about Ender's Game. The my the thing I love about Orson Scott Card. Now I'm going to talk about the bad things. Don't worry, okay? We all know about the bad things. There's a lot of them. It's numerous, okay? But I love his. I love the way he writes. Because one of the main things he does is he doesn't he doesn't do any descriptive he, he very little descriptive writing it's all very first person third person e there there it's all dialogue there's very very little he, he does a lot of he does very little describing of any of his sci-fi things he leaves a lot of it up to imagination that means that everything that happens in the book is very character talking to another character or, or internal dialogue internal monologue so 
I'm not going to spoil the book because I think if there's anybody who's listened to this, listening to this and has not read that book, I strongly recommend you do read the book. Now we can get into whether or not money should go into this guy's pockets because that's that's a little that's where things get a little complicated because he's not a good guy. So now let's talk about Arthur Scott Card. He is a science fiction writer, and let's talk about the bad things. First of all, he's a Mormon. Being Mormon inherently isn't bad. I will say that, right? We all agree on that. People can believe what they want to believe. Now, when it comes to what they do about what they believe, that's when we have issues, right? Yeah, of course, man. Let people do, let people practice what they want to practice. Yeah, that's yeah, my view. Yeah, we're not about policing what people believe, blah, blah. So, but when you know he's a Mormon, then that you, you should already have some thoughts in your mind about what kind of person he is. Especially if he's an older Mormon, because now there are new Mormons, you know, they've let the blacks in, yay, a round of applause, they've done it, but this guy is in his 70s, or he's, well, he's, he's 68 now, so when he was a Mormon, when he was a kid, the blacks weren't allowed in, they weren't allowed in. Uh, The blacks, is that what we're going with? I mean, that's what they say. That's what they call them. So I'm just I'm using their terminology. I don't agree with it, obviously. But so, and then he's a homophobe. He's been on the board of directors for this anti-same-sex marriage. Uh, it's just a lot of stuff. He's written essays about how fucking homosexuality is sexual deviation, and it's. it's depravity and all this stuff it, it, none of it's any good so i think so my issue with with Ender, with ender's game and and all the books is admittedly i consumed a bunch of the books mainly mostly through audio because it because the audio books for these for his for these books are fantastic mainly because it's one of the few that has a multicast, so it has more than one person reading, and they have people that read for certain characters. And the way they did it is awesome, and I've never heard another thing like that that's come anywhere near close to those audio those audio books. They've got a they've got a person playing certain characters, and when they have dialogue, it feels like they're actually having dialogue. It's it's awesome, whatever. So that's how I consumed it. Then when I got into the actual writer and started looking him up, that's when I discovered oh bad bad stuff. So I had to have you know I had to have this internal struggle with with myself on is it okay to consume this material? Should this person be given money? And unfortunately, I don't really have a yes or no on that. I think it's very complicated because. Because like this, like this whole topic is, how do you divorce the creator from what it, what the creator created, right? So well, not so much. I guess not so much. Like, because I mean, the thing about Orson Scott Card is that like the Ender's Games books like aren't like totally terrible, right? No, they're some of the best uh, sci-fi, in my opinion. Yeah. So like, so like, take for example. And it's very appropriate that I was thinking about this because of what we're talking about. But Starship Troopers, right? Mm-hmm. If you compare Orson Scott's Orson Scott cards, Ender's Game versus Starship Troopers, there's a whole bunch of similarities. I mean, you have um, 
you know, of course, you have them piloting the ships, and then you know, Starship Troopers, they're the mobile, you know, mobile, um, mobile infantry, in the big, you know, in the suits and all that stuff, bouncing around, shooting nukes and shit. Um, so there's that kind of same disconnect at like a level, and there's a whole bunch of different themes and stuff. But you look on one hand, where like, not only, like Orson Scott Card's books aren't terrible. Orson Scott card is terrible. And like, that's like the thing is that like compared to something like, I don't know if it's necessarily. Fuck. I totally lost my turn of thought, but my point is that like, it's also, also divorcing like the negative aspects, um, from something. Right. So Ender's game, like I don't remember the last time I read Ender's game, I didn't like read anything and go like, Oh, that's, that's just a character just openly being like, no, no, fascism is good. Yeah, no, there's not, uh, you know, I tried to think of some stuff in the books. I, I do know that there's a little bit of like, um, trying to think the word for it. Uh, once you, if you've read the books and you, you know about the person, you see little, little glimpses of, of his ideology. Now, the other thing to know about, about him is that he wasn't nearly as outspoken in his earlier years. It wasn't until he got, became older so you start to see some of that, more of that, his ideology slip more into like speaker for the for the dead, and um, and even even more so in like the Bean Saga, which is his whole thing that he wrote much later, like in the late '90s. Um, that's all about a character that you see that you meet in Ender's Game. And now I've listened and listened to all of it or read all of it, whatever. So you start to see some of that stuff slip in as you get later into, into his, into his writings or whatever. But Ender's game is less, I think there's less of that stuff because I don't think he was thinking about that. And, you know, we've got this, this quote, he, he said early on and, um, cause there's, there's this nice article about this, this person who actually, uh, at a younger age became, fell in love with the book and started actually interacting and, and writing with this, this not writing with him, but writing letters and corresponding with Orson Scott card. And, um, and it's all about, it's similar in that this person falls in love with the book and falls in love with the whole, you know, the story and all that. And then finds out about the person and has to, you know, rectify that feeling versus, you know, that polluting that feeling of, of um, joy or whatever, because you can't escape that person, the person that created it. Um, yeah, but it, it's just, it's interesting because it wasn't until this person was it wasn't until later that they they found that out, and then at that point, you know, they decided to just distance themselves completely from it, which is, I mean, a, definitely a way to do it, and that's probably the most effective and not easy, but the most effective, and and it you just have no. There's really no if you just say, "Hey, I'm just not going to consume any of this material anymore. I'm not going to give this person any more money." Then you've just you've solved the issue. But the problem is that that's kind of hard to do when you've well, got so many mixed the, feelings about a thing, you know. And that's the thing, though, is that I think that I think that it has to be acknowledged that even somebody who is a terrible, shitty person can still write a, like a good yeah creative book. Thing. And I think yeah. that. I think that number one, that the general overall message of, especially like Ender's Game, mm. is 
pretty positive to begin with. And I mean, mm. even even his terrible, shitty opinions, like it still massively influenced sci-fi. Uh, I mean, it massively influenced just the culture in general. You know what I mean? Because almost everybody's read like at least Ender's Game, if not uh, if not uh, Speaker for the Dead, and the was it Xenoverse? I think was the second novel. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Yeah, that's the that's the sequel to uh, Speaker for the Dead. Yeah, um, but yeah, so the rest of that it's, it's got a very like very anti-war, anti-violence Zeno, message. Xenocide. 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 That's what it was. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, arguably the weakest book in that. Uh, yeah, well, so that's the other thing, too, that the important thing to reference is that the other thing about these books as they progress is they become way, way more political, especially especially Xenocide, because it's all about uh, his brother becoming um, this hegemony yeah, yeah, the, and all the this super, shit. The super intelligent brother and sister, Yeah, they... Uh... They don't don't they like become like the rulers of basically like the puppet rulers of Earth because they're like they're like writing like influential political articles uh-huh. in the future yeah, newspaper throughout the first one. Exactly. Yeah. What the they're they're playing they're they're playing against each other, but while court you know planning it all out, one being a more like left leaning, another one being a right leaning type person or whatever. But yeah, as those books go on, they become far more political. Um. Unless about just yeah. a kid saving the, you know, the earth or whatever. Yeah, and so that's the thing too is that I have to admit it's been a long time since I read um, the other books in that series. But like jumping, so jumping back to the Boy, stupid there are other a thing. lot of books in that series too. I never realized how many there were. There's a ton, dude, and let yeah. me tell you, they're all fantastic. Yeah. I hate to, I hate to admit it. Huh. I only I only actually read Ender's Game, and it was actually required reading when I was in school. So. Yeah, see, it wasn't required yeah. reading for me, but, but yeah. Oh yeah, so. it was. It was requ- the first one was required reading, um, but yeah. So just kind of, yeah. So divorcing the divorcing the fucking asshole who wrote it from the stuff that he wrote. I mean, that kind of, in my opinion, comes like the death of the author stuff, and like, like the the, the novels as I remember them, and especially Ender's Game, were good. And I don't think that the author's politics necessarily matter all that much, like it, depending on like what the um, like what the opinion of the novels is and what the novels actually end up expressing to the average person. I think probably matters um, a little more depending on. I mean, it's not because like that's the thing. It's like bringing it back around to uh, a book I know a lot better. Um, that's like so. Starship Troopers, right, for example, because, you know, they're basically like replies to each other for being real in their content. Um, But you have so much of Starship Troopers is just straight up in your face, like politically, like just just it's Dubois and Rico and like other people in their class just like straight up like giving you their political thesis. You know what I mean? In like the guise of like a fucking character like learning something or like flashing back or whatever to give like more depth. It's always to like these moral classrooms or this, you know, the, was it the uh, uh, philosophy and ethics, I think is the name of the class in the book. And it's literally just this, this guy Dubois, his teacher just fucking waxing political about like violence and about how the a, a military junta run by like combat veterans is like the best possible government and all this stuff. 
And when you consider that the book was directly written as like a, hey, you know what we shouldn't do? Stop nuclear testing. We should continue to test nukes in our own atmosphere because like, fuck you. Because that's the entire reason he wrote that, right? And so that political opinion influences the entire message of Starship Troopers where it's basically just militarism the book. You know what I mean? It's it's somebody's philosophy. Um, it's it's like it almost suffers. It suffers kind of sort of to like the same thing that makes Ayn Rand's books fucking unreadable and just so shitty is that it's just a whole lot of like it's, it's the directly political like this character is an author insert and I am telling you what politics are good. Um, which makes it impossible to remove from the author's political viewpoint, right? Whereas, like, Orson Scott Card in the Ender's Game series, like, even though it gets political and has political things happening, if I'm remembering the novels right, they don't ever, like, just straight up be like, here is the good, here is the good political ideology. Let me explain to yeah. you over six pages what you should believe. No, no, it's very, like I said, the, a general point is about that whole saga, not just about Ender's Game, to clarify. But yeah, I think. Well, yeah. And later in the in the series, you do get these feelings of 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 his political leanings, and I think that's what, having got through most of those books, that's what spurred me on to try to look into the character, look look into him as a person, and try to find out where he, because it puts thoughts in your head uh, about him, about what he actually believes, just just the way that stuff's written out, you know, especially with like genocide and, and speaker for the dead. Cause that, that one also becomes a little more, a, a little political too, because speaker for the dead is all about, uh, Ender going to that, that planet and, and people like speaking Portuguese or whatever. And, and then there's another race and it just gets a little weird with the, how the, the separate race is treated and, it's all about colonialization, like they're coming in and should they take over? And then it's about, you know, him, he's got that, he's got the the queen with him, the queen egg or whatever, and, and he's talking to the queen egg, and then it's like, is the queen egg going to cohabitate? It, it, it becomes a lot more complicated when it, later in the series, um, you know, obviously. And I think that's what spurred me on to look into him as a person. And that's when I found out a lot of stuff that really, really made me sad because um, once you know that stuff, it, it's hard to unknow it. It's hard to, like I was saying earlier, it's hard to not see that stuff in his writing, uh, even in subtle ways. And I think that's 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 the main issue, you know, having not gone right. all the way through all of it. Right. But I mean, at the same time, though, like, I guess my greater point for my 20 minute rant there a second ago was that... Um, like he doesn't like it, it doesn't like directly pontificate. Like he doesn't like proselytize. He's not preaching to you directly. Like he like his political messaging is like in there. Yeah. And you can see it once you know his politics. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 but it's yeah. just not. It it's not blatant. It. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not blatant. It's very. It's subtle, I think, in my opinion. And right. Um, and so that. Oh, go ahead. I was Sorry. just gonna say. I mean, you know, it's subtle, but it's still there. I, I just don't. Um, 
You know, speaking of, I feel like the, the series that I want to talk about is somewhere in the middle of those where it's like not knowing the author's politics, but then knowing them and being able to see through, read through, read between the lines and see yeah, that versus right literally being narrated their politics to you is a series in which, you know, they tried to have a, have a political message and kind of absolutely failed in conveying it. And uh, that's a series that I think we all know and love. I love it. Don't fucking don't say don't you right, say so it. Let's talk about Jacobs. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, let's talk I about will Jacobs. drive to your house and murder you if you say what the oh, fuck I, I think you're going to say. I can't wait. Here we go. It's Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. Oh, why would you do this? I gotta turn. I'm gonna have to turn my mic gain to like point zero three. J.K. Rowling is a turf. Screaming. <laughs> J.K. So, Rowling is a turf. Hopefully, I don't have to explain Harry Potter to anybody. Uh, it's one of the. Uh, it, it is the, the most iconic series of our generation. Like, is it more iconic than Lord of the Rings? Do you think? Well, no, I'm I'm saying like of our generation. Oh, we're not all seventy year olds. Yeah, that's what okay. I mean, like, yeah. No. So I mean, that's like I I think anybody I think anybody alive today knows what Harry Potter is. Knows <laughs> every every single person who's alive today knows I, Harry Potter. I, I'm pretty. I'm I I say that without I, without any hyperbole. I think it is is definitely the the most iconic series of our time, and as the most iconic series of our time, it is not <laughs> without its issues. Yeah, Sean, you still with us, buddy? I'm I'm just trying not to scream. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. am I wrong? I'm not wrong. No, he. No, no you're not. You're wrong. not, and no. that's actually that's actually really the thing that does piss me off the most about um about Harry Potter to be honest with you, is that it's so very popular and has become such a big thing uh, in our lives. And for for some fucking reason, uh, our political discussions and our discourse just at the national, like on, especially on like Twitter. Oh Um, yeah. This, the the people who compare, the people who compare Trump to Voldemort, it's just, Oh, it's, Oh, that's pretty cringe. Pretty cringe. It's peak cringe. It's just peak cringe. Harry Potter really is. is cringe, Harry Potter. Harry yeah, Potter. You've posted, you've posted, you've posted, uh, you've posted cringe. cringe. You've posted cringe. You're going to lose five points to Gryffindor. Oh, oh Jesus God. Christ, kill me. Right, that's it. Close You're it down. putting cringe on the fucking podcast. Lock it up. Close it up. No, and but I do wait, agree. Wait, so I, that's like meta cringe then because it was, it was cringe about cringe about cringe. It's cringe section. All right. Okay, yeah. Um, the gonna, that that right? clicking sound you hear in the background is me loading a handgun. God, um, shoot you through the internet. Anyway, buddy. get out of there. No, but yeah, I definitely agree with you that Harry Potter has become is like a really. I mean, it's a, it's a global fucking phenomenon. Like people all over the world know about that shit. And unless you're fucking, unless your parents were like those weird like Harry Potter is Satanist folks. Um, and even then, most of those kids. I mean, everybody's pretty much read it that grew up and we were growing up. Yeah. That's, and you, that's and you possibly love it. the worst possible thing. And you love it. You know what, though? You know what? You you guys make fun of me for that, but I actually do like Harry Potter. I own all the first all the first editions yeah, of Harry like, Potter. 
like it's still one of my favorite book series even though i have a myriad of problems with its internal politics okay let's talk about your problems so i mean it it's it suffers it suffers from a problem we here on the podcast like to call liberalism oh yikes yeah the bad word around these parts and it's it's the notion it's the notion of the acknowledgement of an issue and then and then pointing to the synthesis of the underlying issues getting rid of that problem that that cancer that or that perceived cancer and then just brushing off your hands and calling it a jolly good job well done and uh, leaving all the under all the other underlying structures in place that created the problem in the first place I mean, that, well, I mean, yeah. And at the, this the, point, at this point, you could you could say, wait, is he talking about is he talking about society or is he talking about Harry Potter still? And the answer is yes. Oh shit! Right. Well, and that's the that's the thing. Um, that's the thing about the Harry Potter that I really hate. I mean, it's it, there's so many little little plot points, little things like that that just show that the only thing that J.K. Rowling believes in is money. Uh, and being a fucking turf. Um, I was gonna say I can tell you what she doesn't believe in. Yeah. Darn. Um, no, and it's and it's I mean it's it's so many little things. I mean it's it's literally Harry Potter being told like, oh well, the reason that we don't solve everybody's problems in the entire world with our magic that could solve every possible fucking problem in the entire world is because, well, you shouldn't feed the animals. And it's like now wait a goddamn minute, guys. <laughs> Like you can't like you can't just be like, oh yeah, we'll only ever solve people's problems. Well that and like in even in a society where where magic is a thing and we're still expected to believe that like poverty is an issue and that there's that there's still this hegemonic class based society even within within that system that well, where these people depend on where these people could use literally use magic to solve all of their everyday problems. We're still expected to believe that class and poverty and, and like people being rich, people being poor is just a fact of life, right? It's just that it's just this underlying. Don't forget the elf slavery. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, but I mean, even, I mean, even before we get to that, like yeah, even, just even before we get to that, there's just the the underlying assumption that class is just a thing and will always exist no matter you know, no matter what society you live in or no matter what no matter what governmental structure you live under. Because reasons, I guess. Yeah. And then yeah, I mean that's then we get into like the like indentured servitude aspect of elves. Which I mean, it's straight up chattel slavery, dude. Yeah. And the other thing, the other thing too that we forget, and people often forget, is the Ministry of Magic, like the main like magical government, literally becomes fascist for like a period of several months. Like literally, just Hitler takes power. Magic Hitler takes power for six months, and nobody at the end of that, everybody like a whole bunch of the people like Harry Potter himself just goes and becomes, like, an enforcer of this state. Like, he literally goes and becomes an Auror, okay? Which is a magic cop, just reminding everybody. 
of this of this government that literally like only a few years before just had a Hitler rise to power. Like, don't worry about it, guys. You know, <laughs> and, we got it all figured out. And, and nobody that's the thinks thing like too, is that it didn't even necessitate him rising to power. It just it it required him to pull a few strings behind the curtain. And then the whole system basically did that for him. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, liberalism always goes that way, which is kind of funny that, like, which is really one of my favorite parts about that whole thing is that, like, the whole novel is just it's 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 like so based in like the re, like the reality of how our political system works. And it's totally fine with that. Like, it's not a problem at all. Exactly. Like, no, because nobody is like, hey, maybe we should, like, you know, I don't know, do something so that um, the next time Magical Hitler rolls around, we, we, we don't have to, like, immediately start killing everybody. Can, like, you know? Can I admit something to here? Or what, am I with friends here? With love You books? are in a safe space, sir. Okay. I've only read, like, the first couple books. Jesus fucking Christ! Did you, have, did you watch the movies? I've watched all the movies several times. Okay, so, so I mean, of course, naturally you have. they don't go into near as much detail. Uh, Strange, weird. Didn't yeah, see that but the overarching themes are still the same. In that, you know, obviously, I mean, at some it's point. it's almost worse in the movies because <laughs> they don't have a lot, lot of the, like the explanatory. Yeah, yeah, that's what I assume. Yeah. And the only and there's really only one character throughout the entire series that even wants to do anything about it, and it's Hermione, and she wants to do the bare minimum to in liter to end literal slavery in their society. Everybody's like, "Ha ha, fuck you, yeah, Aaron, girl." That's just seen as <laughs> stupid bitch. As such a stupid fuck like such a departure from what everybody knows and what everybody is used to that it that she's literally laughed out the door anytime she talks about it. Yeah, it's Granted, she well, probably could have chosen thing. a better name for her elf liberation society thing. I think it was literally called Spew. Yeah, but I think it was. That is neither here nor there. No, it's not. Um, but I mean, yeah, and that ties in. And the thing too is that, like, and then of course J.K. Rowling has like fucking made it a stupid cash cow like the entire time, and like ever since is like leaked like little pieces of information and all that shit and then of course her politics have come out where she like funded a bunch of terrible shitty political campaigns and is a turf and fucking is just generally shitty and fucking reveals that most of hogwarts was just crap in their fucking drawers and magicking it away for fucking literally no reason it doesn't add anything to the story if anything it takes away from the story but, I mean, in her liberal politics, like, very definitely, like, are the entirety of that book's, like, political message. And and it's, it's one of those things where it's, like, it, th- those books also had, like, they did some good stuff. I mean, they taught, they taught kids to, that bravery was good and that change was okay. And then my personal favorite, that sometimes you have to form a private army to overthrow the government. I mean, you know, sometimes you have (laughs) to like, like form a resistance and fucking with all your friends and then just topple the government. Like sometimes you have to do that, apparently, definitely, you know, and that's (laughs) the thing that totally happens in that movie and fucking, you know, so I mean, it's, it's not all bad. And the thing is, it's like, I have all these criticisms, and I, and I get mad about it, and if you fucking see me on Twitter at all, you, you search my profile, there's 
I'm screen. I scream about Harry Potter like once a year at least. Oh yeah. Um, there have been conversations. If it's not Harry Potter, it's South Park. One of those. Yeah. Um, but if it's not my, South Park, it's Rick and Morty. Oh. Yeah. Listen. Okay. Shut the fuck up. Anyway. Um. <laughs> well, what about uh, J.K. Rowling? What's 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 the issue with her? I mean, I just laid it out. I mean, she's a big old turf. She is um, super mega turf. She's mega turf. Or a mega turf. She's just always saying shit on fucking Twitter. That's just like, holy fuck, man. Like, like she's like very much like a, I was on welfare and had to write my book in like a coffee house, uh, and I was super broke. And then like she made like a couple like a billion or so dollars, and then her politics have just gone like full fucking chud. Um, but you know, Dumbledore is gay, so. Yeah, that makes it up for it. Then there's the retconning of like all the fucking you know characters. Every couple months, I'm gonna just say a thing that is just gonna like upheave the whole like I guess identity of characters and shit like that for 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 whatever reason that she feels the need to do that. Yeah, but anyway, but yeah. So I mean, I have these criticisms of the of the fucking of the books and stuff. And oh just, shit, she's not a billionaire anymore. According to 2018 Sunday she Times was a list, Rowling's net worth Fuck. is estimated at around 700 million. She famously lost her billionaire status due to the amount of oh, money I remember she's that. donated to charity. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. Oh so it evens out, man. She's good. She's a good human. Yeah, yeah. She's not a billionaire anymore. We don't have to. Okay, eat her. listen, listen. Shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> First of all, she's full anyways. I don't need the cosmic ledger. She's allowed to be a turf, Sean. Okay. Um. Don't make me start screaming about J.K. Rowling, please, God. <laughs> no, but my my greater point though is is that I have these criticisms, and we all have these criticisms of the books, and yet they're still good. I mean, they're good children's books, and I like them because I read them as a child. But they're good, and I like them, and I have these big overarching criticisms of it. And I divorce it from the fact that J.K. Rowling is a turf, so that I can enjoy it. But I'm, you also have to there's, – there's the duality. Like, you can still enjoy that thing, but you also have to recognize that that shit is true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's entirely possible – it's entirely possible to enjoy a work of art or a work of fiction and simultaneously synthesize a political uh, criticism of it. Like, it's yeah, it's not rocket science. No, yeah. no, it's it's not. I, I just like with my thing, it's just a little. It's it's hard for me personally, just because I guess the way my brain works. Some people can just can compartmentalize those things and not have to worry about that. And that that's awesome. I'm jealous, but I guess the way I think is that I, I see that in little things and I start thinking about that and then I'm like, oh, I can't even fucking get into this anymore, with specifically with those books that I referenced. I mean, yeah, and I mean, and I mean, that's, you know, I'm not 100% with that for sure. I mean, you know, when I learned that fucking, you know, that that uh, there's a there's an artist uh, on Spotify that I used to listen to called Pogo. Who does like these like oh, mashups, yeah, like collage mixes, um, like kind of a lo-fi type thing with different sound bites and stuff like that from movies and video games and stuff. And they do legitimately good work, 
but the problem is is that they like they came out as being he, like, he does ride trumpet troll so one guy yeah. yeah and now anytime one of his songs comes on it's just like fuck man i can't enjoy this like yeah like, that yeah that at all anytime i that like you know and i've slowly weeded them out from my liked songs so that they don't pop up anymore which is fucking a bummer dude because some of that music's really good and like and you know he said like oh i'm when i make music i'm progressive when i'm not making music i'm not progressive like, ah, okay well I, I just don't i don't buy that at all <laughs> what just, does that even mean yeah, yeah i just don't like, really understand that, just that means you don't believe in anything and he said that on steven crowder's show so oh yeah the official uh, yeah. position of this podcast is that steven crowder should be loaded into a cannon absolutely and fired directly into the sun <laughs> yeah do not pass okay. go. Do not yeah. collect, Do not collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Straight lose. to the sun cannon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because I because I'm sorry, and and I will I will you know what I will even I'll tell you this. If anybody has a problem with that, I will go and go on Stephen Crowder's show. On fucking I just I ooh, fucking hate Stephen Crowder. But yeah, fired into the sun. Zero doubt about it. Hundred percent. Cold feet Crowder. You know I think the sun will really really thaw out his feet. Probably, yeah. Alright, that's it guys. That's it guys. That's Shut it down. Sorry, yeah. Shut down the podcast. Um debate Sam Cedar, you yeah. fucking coward. Yeah, Everybody debate Sam Cedar and get demolished so that they can go away and leave and go bye bye. You know, now that I think about it, Sam Cedar debated like after de- after Sam Cedar debated Ben Shapiro, basically exposed him to- for being a dumbass on stage. He stopped being less relevant. And then fucking, he debated Charlie Kirk, and he became less relevant. We just need him to just line him up and just just yeah, line him up them and take out. him down. Yeah, just. Well, right after the debate, there's the door that that leaves that room. It opens up directly into where the cannon is, and then we stick him right in the goddamn fucking cannon. We shoot him in the fucking sun, and we're done. We delete all their Twitter pages and all their other fucking bullshit, their Gab accounts or whatever the fuck else. <laughs> oh, Get them the hell out of Gab. here. You mean Nazi Reddit? Yeah. Nazi Reddit. Gab. I can't believe it. there's been a couple times that they've like replied to my messages and I'm like, okay, you stupid motherfuckers. <laughs> anytime I'm like, anytime they like say something and I, it pops up on a timeline, I'm like, y'all are still a fucking thing? And they're like, yeah, we're still a thing. We're all about free speech. Beep, 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 yeah. And I'm like, uh, we, yeah, we have 12 Twitter people. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's usually what I say. I'm like, then why the fuck are you on Twitter? Yeah. Oh, we do it to fucking, uh, we, you know, advertising so we get people off this thing. I'm like, okay, buddy. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. All right. It's fucking hilarious because Twitter fucking sucks. Like, the UI of Twitter is terrible. I fucking hate Twitter. I hate the way that it looks. Like, and the fact that you can't get people off the hell site <laughs> and onto your sucks. fucking shitty platform is like, how have you created a platform worse than Twitter? Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, they've got uh, they got time on their side with that one. Twitter's yeah, been around so. for about a thousand years. Well, it certainly fucking feels like it's been that long. Shit. Oh, well, Sean, what did you, what did you have? You had Starship Troopers? Is that what you want to talk about? You referenced it a couple times. Yeah, so I didn't. Uh, I would have done something different if I had known we were all going to do books. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so problematic fave uh, for me 
is Starship Troopers. And so I got to open this up with a little fact about myself. Um, I was not always, um, you know, I wasn't a red diaper baby. Like I didn't like grow up a commie uh, or a leftist. I mean, like my parents are like, like hippie liberals, you know, they grew up like in that era and stuff. Um, so I, I was at least like a lib um, for most of my thing. And then I went through a phase after reading just all the Robert Heinlein um, of like really cringe, like American libertarianism. Oh God. Oh, we all had a Rand Paul phase or Ron Paul um, phase. Sorry. Never, never. That's actually when I tried to read at like the Ayn Rand, like the Atlas Shrugged <laughs> and like Anthem and stuff. Oh God. And even when I was like really about that, those books, those, those, anything Ayn Rand wrote is just, it's the worst. It's awful. You could listen, you could burn every copy of that novel and never print another one. And people would still tell you that they read it. Like, I'm convinced that nobody, anybody who has doesn't have like a degree in literary like criticism or like political science or something. Nobody who didn't have to read that book has read that book and enjoyed it. Not really. All those people lied to you. Nobody, John, yeah, nobody's enjoyed yeah. those books. It's not yeah, possible. Yeah. Well, John Galt's speech. The only reason I read Anthem was because the girl that I was dating at the time loved it, so I was like, "Oh yeah, baby." So we did you at least get some pussy off of that, dude. Oh, of course. Okay, oh, good. Shit. Well, then it's worth it. No, wall. I was reading it. <laughs> yeah. But like the like John Galt's speech. Okay, if somebody read that sucker, that somebody did the math on this, John Galt's speech would be like four or five hours long, and if you read that shit out loud. It's it, it's the middle of that fucking book. It's literally the entire middle section of this book. It's, yeah. I think it's like a hundred pages or something, and it's just just political exposition by this fucking character, and it's the driest, worst fucking novel. But Heinlein himself, uh, an American style libertarian and anti-communist, um, really enjoyed. Ayn Rand, apparently, possibly one of the only people who didn't have to read that book for his profession and actually read it. Um, and he kind of does, he does what she was trying to do, but better for a lot of his stuff. And you can tell that, I mean, he was like a, he was like an old school Democrat um, back at the beginning of his life in like the thirties. Um, a classical liberal. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, but he eventually moved into like conservatism and American libertarianism. Damn. I mean, you can watch that in his, in his books. And I mean, he, he wrote like, um, for example, Starship Troopers, uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, um, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, the Lazarus Long series, a whole slew, uh, in Smorgasbord of fucking, you know, young adult like novels and shit. Um, and it's all pretty good, but the thing about Heinlein, and uh, not so much in Star Trek Troopers, but he's very like he has a lot of weird incest in those books. <laughs> he he has he's like right. really into the competent man trope. So there's a lot of stuff in Heinlein that's really bad, but it's typified in in and it's though at its worst in Starship Troopers, right? And like I was saying earlier, Starship Troopers was written as a response to Dwight D. Eisenhower, 
stopping nuclear testing in the atmosphere um, as part of the partial test ban uh, negotiations and stuff like that. And so he wrote it in a couple of weeks um, to kind of talk about his politics at the time. And he kind of walked back a lot of that stuff later. Um, but the novel is one of those things that happens is he wrote it and his politics are in it. And it kind of stopped mattering what he had to say about it uh, pretty much almost as soon as he published it because of the politics that are actually espoused by the work, which is not necessarily fascist because Heinlein, despite what you might think from some of the things that he wrote, I don't believe that he was really a racist because most of his, you know, most of his future setting books, um, you know, race doesn't matter. He was one of the first people to have really popular science fiction um, that had, you know, black characters uh, the main character in Starship Troopers speaks Tagalog. You know what I mean? So, like, he wasn't necessarily that, but he's definitely arguing for a veteran-run military junta as the one-world government and, like, bringing back um, capital punishment, bringing back corporal mm. punishment, mm. bringing back public executions and punishment. I'm sorry, a, a junta? Yes, a junta. Uh, it's, you a, know, it's, a, it's a junta. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I've only ever read that word. Yeah. So, it's um, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he's he's directly arguing for this, right? And of course, like, there's a throwaway line about how not everybody who goes into the the service years is in the military or whatever. But it's like two sentences in the book and then later he's like no 95% of people and it's like dude no because you don't show any of that it's not anything that's actually in the work you know you can't come along and add shit later to this so he tried to retreat from some of that later on um but that book is like 50% just Dubois talking about the best political ideology which is his own and about how you know um you know, only veterans know like self what self sacrifice really is. And then the other half of the book uh, is people doing things like making comparisons between the bugs and the swarming hordes of the Chinese, <laughs> and like directly compares the bugs' hive mind to communist China uh, at one point in the book. Um, so the other message of the book is that people who don't believe my narrow ideology uh, are fucking, you know, bugs. Um, and then, of course, you have the skinnies, which don't show up in the movie. Um, and they basically literally just, like, replace the uh, Vietnam and, and Korea era slurs for Asian people with the what with calling the the aliens the skinnies and whatever racist ass name they use for the bugs right like they just like openly like do the thing so i mean there's that where it's just like like the shocking like even like even when i was like in that like libertarian phase i was like okay this is a bit much like you know what i mean you 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 basically you you're bringing that forward and calling it a good thing um the dehumanization or the you know i they're not humans, so it's not dehumanization, but you know what I mean, uh, of these, you know, these people that you're fighting 
Um, and he also basically comes out like in favor of imperialism and like constant war as like just what we have to deal with and there's nothing that we can do to change it. And so he, he directly expresses all of these expressly evil ideas in the book. And I still fucking love that book. Okay. I have, (laughs) I own two different physical copies. I have it on EPUB. I've read that book fucking literally hundreds of times by now because it's, I've read it so many times I can finish it in an afternoon. Like it's just, boy, yeah, I I need to, I I, want to read that for sure. And yeah, and the thing is too is that it had it is one of the most important science fiction books ever written because of its mainstream accessibility and what it did for like military sci-fi as a genre and like what it did for you know the influence like everybody who writes sci-fi lists Heinlein and has for decades at this point. You know what I mean? Uh the space the, the term space marine was like came to prominence because of the mobile infantry the idea of like powered suits comes from starship troopers um in in like in its you know the reason that we think of it um for our culture um and also a fucking evil novel man it's an evil novel it's bad the the views in that book are fucking uniformly except for like the you know, we don't have racism anymore. That's the only good idea in that whole book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and still, so everybody should read it. I guess I was always under the impression that... So what you're saying is that it's almost... It's, in a way, almost retroactively satirical. At least in the author's point of view. No, no, because he didn't – He and it was never painted that way. And the only reason that people think um, satire when you talk about Starship Troopers is that Paul Verhoeven's or however the – I don't know how you pronounce his last name. I think that's War, how you War, say it. War Verhoeven or whatever, yeah. Yeah, um, his version of it Yeah, the movie is, is very – Satire. Okay. Very satire, yeah. Because well, it's um, like a lot of people, like, whenever you talk about Starship Troopers, it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's hilariously fascistic – that it's you know that it's 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 obvious satire yeah and so his his version of it the movie version of it is um just because they take it over the top and they're literally like like they literally look like nazis like on purpose um and so like and all the other the other big difference is they don't have the mobile suits um in the starship troopers movie like so they specifically did them as like Nazi stormtroopers instead of what they actually look like in the books or in the book, pardon me. Um, because they're in power suits in the books, right? right. Mm. And then the cool. the propaganda and all the video stuff that they show, none of that shit is in the book. Oh weird. You know? Um, none of it is. Um they basically talk about society at large very little. Um, except for, you know, the government and the human nature and like the, the use of violence and, and why, you know, violence, violence isn't the answer. Well, one of the, one of the big famous quotes from that book is talking about how violence is the answer and that's good and you can't change it. So, you know, and he basically like lists off like every major empire ever that was just like smote by violence and, you know, goes off on this whole thing and 
you know, like I said, I mean, it's 50% this one character just kind of waxing political. And that's the only glimpse of the society that you receive in the book. You know, there's not, there's no, um, you don't really see like a lot of places. You don't really interact with a lot of characters that aren't in the mobile infantry that aren't Rico's family. So a lot of the stuff that makes Verhoeven's movie satire is not in an, is not in any way in the novel reflected like in it's the, just yeah 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 and it's it's played straight is the thing and like Heinlein tried to like back away from some of that like as he got older um and it was too late like you can't like fine maybe he didn't personally believe that like later in his life but that's the book is still about that and you can't change that right um and that makes the message of the book extremely shitty and bad. Um, but I literally just read that book today at work, like in preparation for this episode, because I was like, if I'm going to talk about Starship Troopers, I'm going to read that shit. Um, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, but yeah, cool. Problematic, still really good. And you should read it if you haven't read it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Russell. It's definitely one that I intend to read at some point. I yeah, can't for believe sure. either one of you have fucking read that book. I love the movie. The movie's like the movies. The movie's hilarious, but the 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 book. the book. You never watched the book. Um, <laughs> no. The, hey, when you figure out how is... to do that, let me know. I'd rather watch it than uh, read it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, give well, me a line for there's, line a, there's an even better way to consume books these days, which is listening to them. It is really good. Yeah. I can't do audio. This is when we plug our sponsor. Audible.com. Audible books. Audible books. Books Audible. Booksable. Yeah. Booksable. Uh, .net. No, I'm sorry. .gov. It's .gov. It's a government agency. Yeah, it is. It's a government agency. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Audible and other Amazon affiliated uh, properties, it's probably going to be so. So we're recording this on April 30th, which means that tomorrow yeah. is May Day. Yep. And the uh, Amazon Amazon workers, Target workers, and I believe Instacart workers are striking tomorrow. So. Uh, and it warms the cockles of my heart. Yeah. Solidarity, baby. Yep. Solidarity. I mean, this this uh, this podcast uh, unabashedly supports those strikes, and uh, we'll be adhering to them. And, yeah. and if you're a scab, to... don't listen to our fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're banned. Don't you fucking, don't. You fucking pause <laughs> that shit yeah. and go fucking look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself what the fuck is wrong with you. Yeah. Tell <laughs> us, Correct tell your us, life, tell scab. Tell us you're a scab. Like, in the comments, tell us you're a scab. We'll, yeah, write we'll to remove, us. We'll remove your analytic data from our from our plays. We don't even want your play associated with us. We'll, just, we'll, we'll nix that one. We'll pretend it never happened. You can go your separate way. Well, we'll take the play right now, but when we get more popular, we will <laughs> most certainly uh, disavow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to oh, wrap it up. Lord. We covered a, uh, covered a variety of uh, different A whole bunch works. of books. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and why their politics are garbage. And, yeah. and you know what? I'm, I'm telling you right now that, like, some Eng- like some English lit person is going to come along and just like destroy this episode in the comments over something. Probably, I welcome probably Hunter it. being one of them. Yeah, that'll be the that'll be the the turning point for sure. 
Yeah. Listen, well, man. We'll, we'll, we'll you know what? Editing. I we'll welcome negative comments. Bring we'll edit on, it, dog. and I'll I'll have the person who can speak Spanish dub over when you're saying that, and then we'll cut the part out where Jacob corrects you, and then we'll, we'll be good. <laughs> there we'll you go. go. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you just have just have a girl's voice come yeah. in and just yeah, say yeah. the word over say me. Say it yeah. properly. <laughs> and she's got to say hey, it all like me, she's got to say it all like bubbly and cutesy like too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. That's you. You hear us, editor. Yeah, that. Yeah, you listening? Yeah, you do. Just All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for the day. Any uh, parting words, fellas? No, we love you. Much love. Um, oh, yeah, you. happy May Day. Yeah, happy May Day. Probably yeah. belated at this point. Yeah. We'll see. Um, you know. That's uh, another one come and gone. Uh, I guess we'll uh, be back next week with. Uh, yeah. With, uh, Sorry. The people's console. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we, yeah, apologize. yeah, yeah. we apologize in advance for whatever it is we happen to talk about next week. And also <laughs> for this episode. And just all the episodes of the future. Just yeah. sorry. Sorry. Except our pod. Oh, Lord. Y'all have a good one.